0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Setting the Tone, in ER retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and with me today, as always, are Lauren. Hello. And Daniel. Hey. Today we'll be discussing Season 1, Episode 7, which is titled Another Perfect Day. Uh, the episode aired on Thursday, November 3rd, 1994. Lauren, what was going on this week 25 years ago?
1: Well, I'll Make Love to You is at unlucky week 13 at number one. Will we ever be free of this madness?
2: Nope. I, for one, am shocked.
1: I am so shocked. Number one movie this week is Stargate, and there was a total solar eclipse on the day that this aired, November 3rd.
0: This episode was directed by Vern Gillum and written by Lance Gentile, Gentile, uh... (laughs) gentle <laughs> however you say this person's last name this director uh mr gillum yet another journeyman director for our fine tv series uh, this, this time around he only did uh, one episode though he only ever did this episode of er he has a career that goes from the mid 80s through 2005 as what looked on as imdb is when he but it seems he stopped uh, directing nothing really super notable he did episode here a couple episodes there i think he started with miami vice is what i saw I think really notably for our potential audience and our generation of folks, I did two episodes of Firefly and four
2: episodes of Angel. Not notable in any way is the perfect way for us to go into this episode, because that's kind of this episode in a nutshell. It's the most, like, just there episode I think we've had so far.
1: And yet I enjoyed it.
2: No, I enjoyed it. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I enjoyed it. Like, it's it didn't leave a bad taste in my mouth or anything, but I did get to the end of it and just go like, huh. Okay.
1: What I'll say is this, is unlike episode two, which was a very meh episode and they were still very much trying to find their voice and their rhythm, I think now this is the kind of filler episode where it still leaves us satisfied and like, okay, that moved some yeah. things along, but...
2: Yeah, it's not clumsy, but it but it's just doesn't move the plot forward and uh, very meaningful. There's definitely some stuff in here, though. I, I don't want to like understate how there's definitely some good stuff in here it's just we've had such good stuff to start with that you know we were we were kind of due for one like this
1: and i just want to say i I also found it much more satisfying because it's finally very tonally consistent Mm -hmm. we're not getting whipped back and forth
0: all right well moving to the episode proper uh we actually for the first time in er history took us seven episodes to finally get an intro with no sleeping doctors so very excited about that and hopefully the trend continues What does open with is a sort of very hectic jerry just running around sort of very flustered very overwhelmed by everything going on around him you know he's just sort of muttering and you know what a day he has to leave the desk to run something upstairs
1: and i just wanted to note i noticed here when he walks away that there's a typewriter on the desk just to show we still aren't totally into the all computer era yet like yeah they've got computers at the desk But we're still at that time where in the nurse's stations and things like that, where they've got high volume and they're dealing with a lot of transcription and everything. You're still seeing typewriters and like it's a modern electronic one.
2: Yeah, I haven't really paid close enough attention. I I guess I should have, but I don't think it is. Um, Is the phone booth in the corner of the the ER yet? Because I know at one point there's kind of so if you're at the nurse's station and you're looking kind of away from where the beds are. There's like a phone booth at one point, like a phone, it's not a phone booth, but it's like a, it's like a phone station where there's like a little table with a phone and there's like a seat up against the wall. And there's like, there's an episode where Carter, I think falls asleep in it. And I don't think it's there yet, but that's another example of like how far back we are where we've got this like public telephone box, just like sitting in the corner.
0: Yeah. I know Jerry's using it as late as the end of season, season eight.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So yeah. Random technology note there there's still a very much in-use typewriter sitting on that desk.
0: Which kind of blows my mind, even in 1994. But we get to meet Patrick for the first time, which he's a character who I'm just like, I don't know why
2: he's here. Yeah, what what do we think of Patrick? Like, as a character, I, I have a soft spot for Patrick. Like, I have good memories of Patrick from when I watched this the first time. But I'm curious to know what other people's opinion of Patrick the character is.
0: I don't know. I just never really had a strong opinion on him, one way or the other. Like I don't like actively like hate him, but I don't really like him. I'm very medium yeah. on him.
1: I like so many things I'm finding in this show. I remember he was there. He didn't really leave a lasting impression on me, other than oh hey, it's Patrick. We we get to see him like neat.
2: Right. Yeah. He has a bear's helmet.
1: Right. Like
0: he's
2: endearing. In a different way, uh, he's sort of taking over the mantle of Ivan as the you know most significant non-hospital uh, staff character for a few episodes. Like he'll be around for a few you know shots here and there through the rest of season one. But yeah, I just I was just curious. Like like it's like you said, it's a character who I like him, but I don't necessarily. And they don't do nearly the like you know significant backstory with him that they did with Ivan. So it's like I don't know. I was just curious what everybody's. Sort of thoughts were on him as a character.
0: Yeah, so we meet him for the first time, and he's just sort of wander- He's just sort of sitting there, and sort of like I think we find out he's trying to wait for his dad or something like that. But he goes up to the but the phone's ringing because Jerry has fucked off somewhere, you know, doing his job. I'm sure in the best way that he can. #Hashtag Team Jerry. And <laughs> you beat me to it. And I wonder if this is where SpongeBob got it from because. This Patrick answers the phone, and clearly someone asks his, if this is the ER, and he says,
2: no, this isn't ER, this is Patrick. Yeah, that's almost too on the nose to not have been something that was on their mind. Like that, Even the way he says it is very Patrick Starr. Yeah, I, I'm trying not to do
0: the voice, because I feel like that would be mildly offensive yeah. to try to recreate that voice. A little bit. Yeah. So, oh, to put it nicely, I think uh, Patrick is, we're going to go with developmentally delayed. Uh, So he's not quite all there for the big old body. And he is a big gentleman that he's in there. He's very, very childlike, uh, has a lovely bear's helmet and doesn't seem like the kind of person that could really be left alone. And after he answers the phone, Benton walks in and just straight up asks him, Are you the new desk clerk? Like this dude with a bear's helmet on is (laughs) (laughs) going to be the new desk clerk. Very keen observation there, Benton. And of course Patrick in a very very endearing tone just says, See sí, senorita and he spins and falls on the floor. So like I'm just like, okay, so is he there for a little
2: comedic relief or Yes, one hundred percent that's the intention there. Whether that it it, it doesn't really hit Yeah, whether that are carries we... over is debatable, but he's definitely the purpose of him is to be the the butt of the joke.
1: Right. And are we laughing at him or with him and how well has this aged moving
2: 2019 Uh, uh, you know this this particular interaction maybe not so much the interactions he has later with susan and carol are quite sweet Mm. yes
1: so then we cut over to um, carter and doug in the break room and doug grabs a bagel from this beautiful basket of bagels they all look fantastic i want a bagel now (laughs) And Doug's like, these are great. Where did they come from? And he's mid-bite, and Carter goes, oh, Taglieri. He brought them in for Carol Hathaway, I think. And then Carter gets pulled away by Benton to go take care of something, and as Carter's getting pulled away, we see Doug reconsidering his bagel choices, takes a chew, and then rudely drops his bitten bagel back into the bowl. Gross. Gross. Just right on top of them.
0: You know, for be- for these people being doctors, they really seem to ignore basic hygiene. <laughs> Not hygienic in the Quite least. Quite a lot.
1: <laughs> Not washing their hands, putting chewed food back.
0: At least see didn't like, spit out the bagel, True. The, the chewed part of the bagel on top of it. So, you know. True.
2: But those- Not all bad, I guess. <laughs> Ugh. I also didn't. I didn't love Carter calling carol by her full name like something about the main cast referring to each other with their full names instead of just like carol or carter or benton or whatever it was just jarring to me and i didn't like it i was immediately like "Mm, that sounds weird
1: well we kind of get a little bit of that at the very end of the episode too
2: true we do foreshadowing that's right we'll get there
0: uh our first patient that we really see is a 20 year old stabbing victim
2: yes and yeah, he gets brought in by the paramedics, one of which uh, looked semi-familiar to me, so I went and double-checked. Uh, he's male paramedic, kind of I guess Hispanic-looking, and his character's name is Camacho, which I swear I did not like. That does not come up at hell? any point. Uh, he's only in the show for seven episodes, but he, so he's like he's kind of on the same level as. Uh, the pharmaceutical rep like he's only here for a, a short time but he is a, a semi-recurring character so we'll give him a mention the character's name is Camacho I don't think that's ever mentioned a single time the actor's name is Rick Marzan and the only thing that I recognized him from when looking at his IMDB was he was in Bull Durham the uh, one of Kevin Costner's fucking you know baseball masturbation movies in the late 80s uh but um <laughs> So, yeah, he has a lot of those. Yeah, yeah. Any one of those, he would probably fit right in there. So, uh, but yeah, just a quick note on him.
0: Yeah, um, and Benton is taking this, uh, this stabbing victim into the trauma room. Uh, and it comes up that he has an interview for the Starzle Fellowship this afternoon. Get the second intubation that we've seen on the show, second, or possibly third i feel like there was another one in I there i think
1: this is the second where they really make it front and center yeah
0: fair enough this is our first like really truly failed one but thankfully benton's on the case so he can do a crike so which is a surgical airway i think it's technically called the tracheostomy i think is the official procedure name mm-hmm. we'll learn more of that later
1: it's a cricothyrotomy.
0: okay what am i thinking about the tracheostomy then
1: tracheotomy
0: tracheotomy there's a lot of medical jargon in this show, and we are not. None of us are medical
2: professionals, so we... Tracheotomy is where they put the breathing tube, like, directly into the throat. Like, they cut a hole in their throat. Yeah, that's what I thought you we were doing deer. here. There.
1: Here, let me let me read it. I've got it open in front of me. This is also called a crike... Th-
2: Thyrocotomy... <laughs> this is why we're doing a medical show podcast, and none of us went to actual yes. medical school. Yes,
1: is an incision made through the skin and cricothyroid membrane to establish a patent airway during i think that's a typo it should be patient airway during certain life-threatening situations such as airway obstruction by a foreign body angioedema or massive facial trauma
0: cool we've all learned something today haven't (laughs) we folks
1: it's quicker and easier to perform than a tracheotomy and does not not require manipulation of the cervical spine
0: aha okay okay
1: it's only a temporizing measure until a definitive airway can be established.
0: Ah, but. okay.
1: So it's like when you have somebody stab the throat with a pen to open the airway.
0: Ah, okay. So I'm thinking of the one that's more permanent the, that we see in like more like some of the later stage patients in later in episodes. Lucy. Yeah. Like oh. Yeah. Poor Lucy.
1: Let me make you sad. Nobody knows who that is yet, so it's okay that we just said that. Ex- Moving on. Exactly.
0: <laughs> season uh, season five can't get here soon enough. She's one of my favorites. Yeah. So and then we actually see Morgan Stern for the first time in a couple episodes. Haven't seen him. Little, ba- little baby William H Macy. Hi, William H Macy. Cash them checks, buddy. Yeah, he's actually really nice to Peter in this one. Like actually praises Peter's judgment uh, on going and doing the Crike, and you know just really sort of getting the patient through everything so far and, you know, just sort of whisking him away really nicely and efficiently to the OR. So, and, you know, Carter's like, hey, that was pretty cool. Carter has a very happy episode yep. this this time around, I feel like.
1: Mm-hmm. Everything's coming up Benton right now. Yeah.
2: So we think.
1: That's why I said right now.
2: And so then we get into uh, the credit sequence. We've got another bang intro on this one. So I think we're up to, what is it? This is episode 7 and we've got everyone except the pilot. So this must be 5 to 1. Yep. And then we come back immediately out of the of the credit sequence, we come back to Jerry answering the phone with a call for Carter.
1: And we learn that Carter is looking for an apartment, the one bedroom and the studio apartments he's been looking at are both taken. We learn he's trying to move out from home. He says, "Oh, I've been living at home. My dad thinks I'm a freeloader." And oh, ho, ho, wait till we learn more about Carter cuz that's real funny. And Jerry's like, "Oh, well, you know, I got a great place keeping an eye on the patients. Patient died and I went and scooped his place up. Keep an eye on patient addresses for, you know, older patients. You might be able to find something really great. And Carter's like appalled by this.
2: That seems, yeah, eth- ethically questionable at best. Like
1: I've heard about it in other series and I can't remember what ones, but there's another series where they're like, yeah, no, just keep an eye out for people who die. And that's how you handle rent control in New York.
0: Maybe scrubs or house or something.
1: No,
0: I'm just thinking of other Michael shows that you yeah, watch. Yeah, I don't know.
1: I didn't really watch
0: Scrubs. No, oh, that was more of a me show. Yeah. Anyway, Ben finds out that his appointment has been with uh, Morgan Stern for that interview for the fellowship has been moved to three o'clock. And while sort of Ben's just sort of to- sitting there talking, Halay comes in and gives Benton a patient that she specifically wants him to see. And you know Ben. It's just to sew up a kid's foot. And so he tries to just pass it on to Carter, you know, like you would in that situation because Benton has other things to do and Carter's, you know, the medical student. Halle really is insisting that Benton sees this kid. And Benton's like, okay, 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 I'll, you know, I'll do it. And then as soon as she walks away, he tells Carter to do it anyway. And TS because he has to go see a patient up in OR recovery.
1: Just like robo-Benton. Just fuck off and give it to Carter
2: yeah I mean I, I kind of agree with Lizzie though like this is not something that on the surface like really commands his attention like I feel like yes she personally requests him to do it but she doesn't make it clear exactly what it is she wants him to do about it on a personal level which she you know makes clear later on but hele is, is a low key MVP in this episode like she's always good but I, I particularly like when she is you know really stern and really serious like she can really turn it on when she wants to but yeah, so going from there, we cut back, or we cut over for the first time in this episode to Green, and uh, Jennifer is back, and she be thirsty. Uh, <laughs> she's waking, waking him up at 7 in the morning, tells him he's going to be late for work, because they're going to be getting a little stanky on the hangdown, and uh, although I was, <laughs> I was... I was wrong because when I was watching this, I was like, oh, this is the episode where they just fuck the whole time. That's next episode. Next episode is the one where they just do it the entire episode and they just keep going back to it. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. We'll get to that next week. But yeah, so this is a weird tone shift where, you know, Jennifer's like the ISIS thawed and now we're like, you know, all doing it all the time. It's it's a real, real hard pivot, no pun intended, from... uh, From where we've been before
0: So yeah we'll come back to them a little later Uh, But then we go back to Mr. Patrick And this time he's hanging around with Carol Uh, Carol's just sort
2: of Taking care of him Uh, He seems to have hurt it It's It's his hand I think so. Yeah, it's his arm. It's his arm. It's like kind of forearm area. He's got a bandage with a little blood spot on it. Yeah,
0: and Susan wants to get an X-ray, and Patrick gets very, you know, nervous at first because obviously he doesn't really know what is fully going on. But then when Susan explains it to him, it's like, oh, it's a picture of your bones. He gets really excited and asks if he can keep it. And then we know when Susan says yes, he gives them both a very, very big hug. Aww.
2: Is this the interaction where Carol? knocks on his helmet or is that later
1: that's later i
2: think yeah. that's later that to me is the sweetest ep- sweetest moment or is, in here like, or is i is just it, here? it might be here i don't know i think that is just the sweetest thing between the two of them
0: all of the patrick stuff in this episode sort of blends together for me just because like i like i said i don't really care about the characters so i was just like mentally tuning out a little bit i'm like oh okay whatever
1: but yeah daniel like you were saying at some point patrick's like oh you know i've got a helmet and it's hard and it keeps this from getting injured or getting hurt or whatever and he's like knock on it nothing happens and he knocks and then Carol reaches over and knocks and he's just so
2: happy
0: yeah it's it's just wholesome he says like knock knock and it's like "Telling," and it's like who's there
2: he tells the world's most circular knock knock joke and it's
0: yeah <laughs> i love him yeah
2: okay but then
0: after that we get patrick out of the picture and but we stay with susan and carol and then we get susan and carol talking about susan and div's relationship some saucy gossip sweet, sweet kid yeah budget sometimes budget. i
3: think i should
1: be going out with the patients instead of the doctors right.
3: mm, doctors i don't know shrinks aren't too bad so the rumors are true what rumors that you've been going out with div spetic oh just now and then for two months oh geez what was this supposed to be a secret you've
1: been having lunch with him every day hey malik did you get those blood samples from the lady in five
2: already
3: at the lab
1: great thanks
3: so everyone knows knows what that it's your birthday today and he's taking you out for dinner tonight and asked you to wear that black dress oh my god what'd he do put it in the newsletter the bulletin board just kidding yes,
4: just i will go.
0: kill him after dinner <laughs> <laughs> Susan has her priorities straight.
2: Just peak after dinner. Peak, Susan. Carol's got a really good deadpan there too. No, the bulletin board. He, like just the, the way she sells it is just perfect.
1: But I feel like it's been more than two months based on the time skips we've had.
2: Yeah.
0: You know, we've mentioned in the past that ER definitely plays fast and loose with timelines. So...
2: Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's not something to, to obsess over. You know, <laughs> why are we doing this podcast?
0: If you're going to talk about continuity uh, in this tv series you are gonna get bogged down so fast
1: i just thought i'd mention
0: fair enough then after that we go to uh jerry is teasing doug about seeing the pharmaceutical rep because doug apparently like i feel like this kind of comes a little bit out of nowhere because doug i guess had been asking about her like i think we only really see doug asking a couple times and the rest of the time it's just jerry giving him shit about it right about asking if miss linda farrell uh, from the previous episode has come in yet or left a message or... Yeah.
2: So then from there, we go into the trauma. No, it's not a trauma, but the patient that Helé requested Benton to go see. And of course, he's pawned it off on Carter. And Carter is interviewing the kid. He's got a street name, Slice, which you can tell that's the first time, first time Carter's ever heard the words street name. But he's brought in by a cop. And then the kid is claiming that he got beat up by the cop. And the cop is... This is full disclosure here folks this is where i'm going to bring this episode to a screeching halt because i discovered something in the research here that just has shaken me to my core and i have to oh, i have to tell the gang is. about this because someone else on this fucking planet has to experience this shit that i've experienced in the last 48 hours doing this so
1: <laughs> and i need to note for the record Daniel has not told us what this clip is. Yes, no. We have I've, not listened to it before I've recording. kept it a complete
2: secret the- just because I need it to be as pure as possible for you I can't have you exposed to this ahead of time. It's too good. Yeah, he labeled the, he labeled the
0: files in our Discord chat "super secret sound, <laughs> sound clip for episode one." And then there's a second one which came out of nowhere, "super secret two electric yes. boogaloo." So you know, obviously, I think we have another secret coming our way. No, no, it's
2: this, it's all in one. This you're getting it all in one. Oh, it's, it's all, this? all in this. Okay, okay. So the so start starting starting with, with super secret s- sound clip number starting one. Starting with the cop. The cop is played by a guy named Mike Genovese. His character in the show takes a liking to Nurse Lydia. Carter's trying to ask him questions about what happened and, you know, just, you know, doctor stuff about the kid. And the cop is, like, super distracted. All he wants to know about is Nurse Lydia. And so later in the episode, we see them, like, kind of hanging out by the nurse's station, looking at pictures and flirting and just the whole thing, right? So this cop, who I forget what his character name is, but he becomes a recurring character uh, semi. He um,
1: And I love him.
2: Yeah. Him and Nurse Lydia end up eventually getting married. And, you know, there's a whole big thing. And he, he's here for the rest of the time she is. Like, they're kind of an inseparable thing from here on out. What I didn't know is that they are actually married in real life. So they're an actual, like, married. Co- and what I. What? Yeah. That's not, that's not the big reveal. That's that, you know, you can look that up anywhere that's adorable but yes they are an actual married couple what i didn't manage to look up and what i should have is whether or not this is where they met i don't
1: that's what i was gonna i don't
2: think it is because the way they immediately just dump them into a you know romance angle i have to believe that it's not just that clean of a coincidence but it could be you know have that for your headcanon if you want the thing that is just so jarring to me so You know, that's kind of my thing on this show is that when we get those, oh, hey, it's that guys, I immediately start digging deep into their IMDb's. I want to know what stupid episode of Murder, She Wrote, or what fucking, you know, Golden Girls episode they were a guest star on so that we can have something to talk about on this show. I found the holy fucking grail with this guy. (laughs) All right. Just let me know. Let me know when we should play it. So him and Nurse Lydia, Ellen Crawford is the actress's name. They are starring in a show together, like as of 2018, and I think maybe 2019 as well I don't know i didn't what? I, 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 what? I didn't want to look into it further because it horrified me so much. They are starring it's okay it's a show in the loosest sense of the word it's a web series okay. and what i've what I've got here in our first super secret clip is the theme song to the show that they are starring in together. Our second clip that we're going to play, you know after we talk about what we've all just experienced with this theme song is a little, little short clip of one of the episodes, like 30 seconds. It's, <laughs> I don't know what this is. I just don't know what this is and I need someone else to tell me. So Daniel? Let's, yes?
1: Are you about to ruin Lydia for me? Should I take my headphones out so I can preserve her as amazing forever?
2: Maybe. I don't know. Okay. I honestly don't know and I need oh. someone else to tell me. Like, okay. okay. All, all right. So let's so check out this, so this uh, theme song. Clip is loaded. Let's go
4: our parents were the greatest generation our dads went overseas to fight a war (laughs) as soon as they came back they grabbed our moms and hit the sack and there they stayed from
2: 1946 to 64 making babies lots of babies (laughs) the baby boomers 76 million And we grew older but but we're not not dead yet (laughs) We're the largest segment of the population Not the greatest like our folks, but not the worst We bent the rules and broke some laws But we were rebels with a cause We vowed that we would change the world But the world had changed us first We still might change it, you never know Cause we're still boomers The the baby (laughs) boomers despite the rumors we're not dead yet
1: is, is this a paul and storm joke
0: I, okay. yeah like that's immediately when my brain went when the, that music and those
2: voices i know it's not paul and storm but holy what the fuck I, is that i don't know i don't know <laughs> like i can't tell like so they're okay so this is a web series it's all on youtube like all you have to do is just go on youtube and google boomers web series and the whole thing comes up i watched two episodes of this thing <laughs> and they're not that long they're like i think they're like less than 10 minutes each they have all of the production value of a school board meeting everything is like very poorly miked and like there's no uh there's no like professional cuts like it looks like it was filmed with an what? iphone And they play a married couple, a married baby boomer couple that is old and dealing with the world and everything's scary and awful. And, you know, uh, my wife talks too much and all that. Like, it is just and what I can't tell is if it's satire or not. I legitimately cannot (laughs) tell. I cannot tell if they are making fun of baby boomers or glorifying them. I don't know. That theme song sounded like they were making fun of them. Right? That's what it sounds like. Except for
1: the, we're not the greatest generation, but not the worst line.
2: Uh, Yeah, I don't know. I I honestly, legitimately don't know. And, uh, you know, I was pressed pressed for time getting, you know, everything set up for us to record tonight. And so I wanted to clip out the first interaction from the very first episode, which is, like, just pure baby boomer like it is just like their daughter new daughter-in-law is coming over for dinner and he's like i don't want to she's vegan i don't want to be like i don't want to eat leaves like he's just being such a fucking asshole and like (laughs) and i'm just like i don't know what this is and it's breaking my brain so i already had (laughs) i already had episode two in my doc so that i could clip out the theme song, and so I just went ahead and clipped the first 30 seconds out of the episode. Unfortunately, Mike the cop is not in this interaction. He's He, spoiler, spends this entire episode in the garage smoking weed watching Gilligan's Island. What the fuck?
1: <laughs> I mean, that's not a bad way to spend a day. I, guess. I know, but just what?
2: So, this is the first 30 seconds of the episode. It's Lydia talking to their neighbors about their son and his new wife, and You tell me if this is satire or not. Okay. He's been holed
1: up in that garage since yesterday. Becca thinks he's showing signs of dementia
3: or depression. Who's Becca, our daughter-in-law?
1: I thought her name was
3: Becky. It was, she changed it.
2: I thought her name was Angie.
3: Angie was Josh's first wife, dear. She Mm. was such a sweetheart. Wasn't she? I miss
1: her, we all miss her. Except Josh, he seems
3: happy. Well, that's too
0: bad. I know it really is. What the fuck? What? What in the is, name of all things holy? It was that.
2: Is this real or is like what? Ah! Life has no meaning anymore. I don't know. Like, I, mm.
1: <laughs> did I just have a fever dream and wake up?
2: It's insane. Like, if you want to live in the same fucking shadow realm that I do, just go on YouTube and look up <laughs> Boomer's web series. I swear to God. Every episode has, like, 500 views, which, you know, don't get me wrong. I've got, like, four videos on my YouTube channel. And they've got a combined, like, six views between them. But, like, 500 views for a series – like, she was on ER for a long time. Like, she was on ER yeah. for, like, almost 10 years. And she's doing this shitty fucking, which I mean, it's either the shittiest web series I've ever seen or it's the best web series I've ever seen. I. It all hinges on whether or not this is satire. And I think it's like it's like Rick and Morty levels of like intellectual comedy here. I have no fucking clue what I'm looking at.
0: I, I, I have nothing.
2: Yeah. For you. I, I don't know how we steer out of this skid. Uh, Just to, suffice to say, if you are at all have a masochist streak, just, you know, go on YouTube, check this out maybe you can make sense of what the fuck I just watched to wrap up the fucking Carter interaction with the kid kid steals Carter's uh, EKG caliber out of his pocket to try and pick his pick the lock of his handcuffs. And Carter sits there and stares at him like a fucking deer in the headlights. Like this is so clearly out of Carter's little rich boy depth, but he eventually does snatch the thing back from the kid before he can get himself out of the handcuffs and uh, heads off to the ambulance bay after Connie comes in to grab him.
0: I'm sorry. I'm just reeling from what, the fuck we just listened to. I'm I'm sorry to go back to it. But yeah, was I'm that worth
2: the, the hype?
1: Episode. You kids have fun.
0: Was that worth the hype though? Like
1: Yes. That was an excellent mystery. Good, Good job.
0: God. Like I'm just like my brain is just like trying to comprehend the audio quality of that first part. Like is it I'm like, is that
2: really the audio quality? Like is. is that Okay, so literally that clip, the like first little like as soon as you hit play, that is the second I mean the absolute instant that the theme song ends like there's no fade there's no transition it's literally just theme song ends she starts talking there's no transition whatsoever it is just I don't get it you're better than this dear uh and she looks fantastic she looks great like she's she has aged like really well and actually, he doesn't look terrible either, but I mean, he does, he really st- steers into the whole boomer thing. But like, I don't know. I don't fucking know. But we have to get out of this and move on. But
0: like. Yeah, no, my brain is just going to keep exploding throughout the entire episode. And I apologize if I come back to it every now and then. But okay. We have trauma number two of the episode. But not really. Turns out it's an ambulance full of doctors and nurses sing happy birthday to Susan. Uh, Aw, how sweet. Is it,
2: though? Like, can we stop with the boy who cried wolf shit? Like, why are we still doing this? Why are we still faking emergencies for surprise parties? I don't like it.
0: Well, at least it's not, you know, at least they're not pretending that someone they know is hurt.
2: I guess. I will say, though, in this little thing, I did like the touch of the back hump on Clooney. Like, he's got the, like... I don't know what it is. I guess it's like a latex glove blown up like a balloon, but he's got it under his lab coat, like right up at the top of his back, and he's like a hunchback. It's my favorite thing in the whole interaction.
1: How did I miss this?
2: Oh, it's so good. He comes out, and he's got the, like, sea collar on his head, uh, like a crown, Mm. and then right as he passes by Lewis, he says something to her, and you can see he's got this giant hump on his back. It's so good. George Clooney as Quasimodo. I'd watch it. And then Tag sort of grabs Carol and is like,
0: hey, want to go Fuck. (laughs) <laughs> Pretty much is what that conversation boils down to for seven minutes. Which, hey, good going there, Tag. Oh, okay, okay. To be fair, Carol says she only has seven minutes, and
2: Tag is like, bet, <laughs> and they
1: go. We can make that work.
2: The roof in Chicago seems to me like the worst place to do it, especially in at least October, which is what we've established we're at in the timeline here. Like, I feel like it's just a tad cold up there. That's not going to be conducive to what you're trying to accomplish. I will note that we just got about two inches of snow here in Chicago. And it is October 31st as we're
0: recording this. So,
2: Hmm. yeah. Yeah. Do not want to go up to the roof anytime soon.
0: Yeah. But uh, Tag asks her, once they get up there, Tag asks her again if uh, they want to move in together. Uh, It's been two weeks since the last time he asked. Which, hey, you know, good for him for giving her some space. uh, Even though she doesn't have really an answer yet.
1: And she says, you know, I want to move slowly and feel sure. He's like, about us, about me. I'm a good guy, Carol, and I love you. If you have a problem with our being together, I need you to deal with that. And then he leaves her on the roof with just a kiss. After dropping that bomb, like, hey, our relationship is your problem. Bye.
2: Also, don't call yourself a good guy. If you call yourself a good guy, you're immediately not a good guy. Like, don't just don't.
0: Yeah. Speaking of people having sex with one another... Mark finally just decides to join the <laughs> ER cast, Smooth. <laughs> which Doug teases Mark relentlessly, knowing full well that he was, you know, doing the deed with his wife. And he says, you know, good for you. Keep it up. And Mark, you know, ever the unable to lie, you know, or at least bad at lying dork, insists that it was car trouble. Absolutely
2: insists. But yeah, sure. But sure, Doug right. is having none of this shit. And then we get our other interaction with Lydia and the cop looking at photos in their wallet, just sitting there planning their future about their future uh, television series that will be broadcast exclusively (laughs) in all capital letters in the comment section of local news articles.
0: Because, you know, they're not dead yet.
2: Is it real or not? I don't know. (laughs) We will never know.
0: Someone, We should find a way to reach out to one of those folks. Maybe maybe Lydia has a Twitter. Clearly, Who it's knows? not
2: hard. When I've got more production value in my microphone here in my fucking shitty apartment than she does in her entire web series, like I feel like we can probably get her on the pod.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, moving on from there, uh, we get a little bit more insight into why Hale wanted Ben to handle the young gentleman with the cut on his foot that was in handcuffs. Uh, she very much knows him. So, and we will get more on that in a little bit, but next, uh, uh, we have Div being, you know, sort of on another level of dickhead here, and just being really gross, and I got, pulled the audio clip just because, like, it really shows just full skis uh, that, that Div can be, and I want to yeah. know,
1: during this clip, he is giving Susan a massage and, like, kissing the back of her neck,
0: and just like, <laughs> ugh. So, here we go.
3: You casually mentioned our dinner to Doug Ross. Yeah. Yeah, what's the problem? He's like Dr. Intercom. <laughs> Biggest gossip in the hospital. The cafeteria workers probably know.
4: Yeah, but you do look great in that black dress. This isn't working. <laughs> no.
2: That's the patient I mentioned earlier, what? he's right over here, and I was... Three
4: gonna... times you mentioned him. Three times I told you I didn't have
2: time to see him.
4: Look. Uh, what was your name? Div? Malik,
3: why don't I just Malik!
2: Take... That's right. Yeah, yeah. And I told you that three times, too. Div. Listen, okay, son, okay,
3: been... enough. Stop. What are you guys gonna do now? Arm wrestle? No,
4: no, of course not. Uh, look, I've had, uh, I've had five admissions today. Now, two attempted suicides, two bipolars who forgot to take their lithium, and a 40-year-old who walks in off the street claiming to be dead, all before lunch. Now, your patient's simply going to have to wait for the afternoon shift.
2: I'm sorry, did you just sun Malik? Like, Malik is, like, the coolest motherfucker in the ER, and you're just going to stand there and sun Deezer D like that? Which, that's also, going back to last episode, A to your name. But that's beside the point.
0: Yeah, no, it it's just weird, and, you know, the age difference was one thing, like, it was not one thing when he was being, you know, nice, you know, being nice to him, to Susan, but now here, it's just sort of taking on, like, a really weird, creepy vibe, and I'm just not here for it, and we have to be close to Div's breakdown. Yeah, Aren't, we, we have we? to be
2: close. It feels like we're sliding down the hill real fast.
0: Yeah, like, he is just stepping it up every single episode and i don't remember exactly when it happens but it has to be soon
1: i'm gonna bet episode 11
0: i think before that I'm, i would i would say episode 9
1: i'm gonna bet 11
2: mm, i'll split the difference and go 10
0: okay we will see who wins
1: that's some price is right bullshit daniel
0: <laughs> daniel bids one dollar on the, or excuse me no it wasn't it's not the one dollar daniel bids 1501 that's right <laughs> there we go like the like a bitch
2: Oh, okay. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> I'm not, saying, I'm not right. saying you're a
0: bitch. I'm just saying anyone anyone who does that on the prices right does like someone bids bids 700 and the next person bids 701, you're a tool and you deserve to lose. But that's okay, a whole then. that's a whole other topic. Yeah, after that we get uh Carol grabbing uh Doug. There was a boat collision out on the lake. Uh, we have young David Adler, he's 12 years old. Uh he is not not doing so well. He was uh underwater for little while doug is actually like taking the lead on a patient for once like a lead on a trauma patient which we don't really see too much of quite yet so it's kind of weird to see um parents are being you know the fretful type as you would be you know if your son was being dragged underwater by a boat but and we get another we get another little intubation uh but doug is going very light on the medical jargon and you know we mentioned a few episodes ago that Clooney was terrible at remembering it and we I actually tried to look and see like if there was like a note card or anything or like he was reading off like his a arm sheet. or something or a sheet that was like on the thing that was like on the by the head where he was doing the innovation. and you know I couldn't really notice anything so but props to him for making it look natural if he was
1: but he also didn't really have a lot of the heavy jargon I think we need to keep an eye out for that as he does some of the more complex procedures because that's really when they said he struggled yeah. So it'll be interesting. I'm keeping Clooney watch for his cheat sheets.
0: Yeah, but we get uh, also him doing a central line, which, you know, that's a way to get fluids and just general medicine into the bloodstream faster than your arm. A little more direct access to, or a little more, a little closer to the heart is what I'm trying to say. There we go. Yeah, but it seems like he's stabilizing once once you get that done Gets and you get some more... Medicine flowing him into him, and then he begins to crash and really quickly, and then they stable, and he gets stabilized just as quickly. Throughout this whole thing, Carol and Doug are just really. They're really. Carol's really anticipating Doug's every move, and just sort of like, oh, I'll have the, oh, there it is. Type of thing, like, I need the tube, and she has it already for him. It's like, oh, we need to shock him, and Carol's already got the paddles out, and just about ready to do it. And. You know, it's A it's a really good like chemistry moment both to show them as professionally, like as I'm trying to think how to phrase this. Coworkers? Yeah, both as co workers and then also I think it's a really good showcase of their chemistry like as actors too.
1: Mm-hmm. Very much so. And then Benton takes David upstairs to go get him treated the rest of the way and Doug and Carol are left alone in the trauma room and they're like, Oh my god, when you did this and you reached for that and oh my gosh, we were so like great job, you were amazing and then they like they're holding each other and all of a sudden, bam, they're making out in a trauma room with open windows on every fucking side. Anyone can see this happening and then they pull apart and Doug's like, Carol, I'm so I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that And Carol just really ashamed
2: and staggered, goes, Well, you didn't do it alone And the look that he gives as she's walking away, it just immediately suggests that he's not actually sorry. Like, he's clearly, he's got this, like, really mischievous grin, and he's just, he's happy with it. But then
0: we get a weird resolution to Patrick's storyline in this episode, and it's, like, almost nothing happened with him. So it's kind of weird that, like, he's already, like, exiting so soon. You think with how, with that intro and with the other, like, sweet little moment, like, that there might have been a little bit more to this but nope he's just already going home we're like 20 minutes in the episode maybe
2: pick a card
0: yeah i just don't really understand it yeah and then moving on from there tag is looking for carol and finds her and then they're sort of talking and laughing together and doug sees this from afar and he looks he just looks very confused and very hurt because like wait i was just making out with her a second ago
1: Right. And Jerry, because Doug's standing by the nurse's station and Jerry comes by and says, I'm sorry, I still haven't seen her talking about Linda. And Doug has completely forgotten he's been waiting for her. He's like, what?
2: Completely thrown off by this. Like, what do you, who, who who have you been waiting, what? Highlighting her status as the most forgettable character. Yes. Yeah.
0: From there, uh, we have Mark, who is given his first patient of the episode, who is in a coma. And, you know, not being, trying all different sorts of drugs, which Narcan comes up again, which Narcan apparently has a lot more uses than I really thought it it did. So, trying that, trying glucose, I don't know exactly what that would do for a coma patient, but then again, I am not a doctor.
2: He could be in a diabetic coma, so they could be trying to pull him out of that.
0: I never thought of that. That's a good, good call there.
1: And Narcan could have been if he OD'd. Possibly,
0: yeah. And after that we get more into we get more into the Halle and Benton uh, and Mookie storyline. I'm not sure do we is this where we learn his name? No,
1: we learned it previously. Okay. When she was like his name is Mookie and
0: Okay. Halle is really laying into Benton though, like following him into the men's restroom while he's changing for his fellowship interview and giving him all of the attitude like no you were supposed to take that kid you were supposed to do this and ben just looks at it looks at, uh, at her and says what am i supposed to be the big brothers program yeah and then also in the background while they're having it out jerry just you just see jerry walk in and then immediately walk right back out like grandpa simpson from the uh, from the simpsons in the brothel episode
2: jerry's just, nope. jerry's u-turn is just, jerry's background stuff like i, I I will mention it in more detail a little bit later, but like Jerry's background stuff in this episode is impeccable. He is so, so good here, even for Jerry.
0: But Halei says that she, you know, she's known, she's known this kid Mookie since he was little and was really just sort of hoping Peter would talk some sense into him maybe and try to get through to him a little bit, I guess, as, you know, a black man to a black kid. I guess that's what it's, what it's about. Showing
1: us somebody who made it.
2: Yeah. I can see that. So yeah, so then from there uh, we go back over to the coma guy and Carter has joined in with Green in trying to, you know, come up with the diagnosis on this guy, figure out why he's in a coma. Um, he's got a slower pulse, uh, his blood pressure is falling. What I really like about this scene is that it shows the distinctive differences in Green's teaching style versus Benton's teaching style. Like, Benton's teaching style is very rooted in, like, superiority and embarrassment. Like, benton wants to show carter how much he doesn't know and how much benton know how much more benton knows than him so like he just kind of like leaves carter to twist in the wind a lot and it's like no you idiot why would you do that like whereas green is far more like practical and he's like okay well let's think this through why would we do a why would we do b like it's such a cool difference in styles there and he the lets Carter kind of work through it for himself you know Carter's thinking like maybe he had a seizure he sees that the kid has a laceration or I don't know if he's a kid but like the the patient has a laceration on his tongue um, so he's thinking maybe he had a seizure he's got a fever could it possibly be meningitis and you know going off of the meningitis hypothesis Carter gets to practice his first lumbar puncture which is you know a big step for a new doctor And it's just, I don't know, it's really cool to see the difference in the teaching style there. And I just, Green is such a good teacher and he's so patient with Carter. And it really shows in the development of Carter as a doctor that his diagnostic skills are improving. And I think he really benefits from this type of style where he's allowed to like work through problems and kind of think out loud rather than just being like brow beaten down to be like, no, stupid, you're wrong. This is what it is. So I just thought it was really cool.
1: And I just have to say how brilliant for him this guy's got a freaking oxygen mask on mouth's not even open and carter's looking at him and thinks to open his mouth and look for the tongue bite yeah
2: yeah exactly like his diagnostic skills are getting so much better he's actually starting to know his
0: shit which is really good to see him taking these steps as a character and get more towards the jedi master that we know him as in the later episodes so, yeah, from there, we go to uh, Benton and Langworthy are both sitting outside. We've arrived at three o'clock. Ben has changed into a a nice suit. He looks very put together for his interview for this fellowship. We don't really get too much information, like until like we actually Benton actually gets in the interview room about what it is, but we'll get to that a little bit later. They're both waiting for their interview. Benton's just sort of pacing around for a little bit and then, you know, just sort of sitting restlessly. and then, Langworthy shows up. He's in a suit. She's just in her surgical scrubs, and she is totally judging him for having changed into like actual like interview clothes. But both of them are at least having a little moment of not hating each other because they're both talking shit about someone else <laughs> other <laughs> than each other for once. They, they
2: bond over their mutual shittiness.
0: Yeah. Uh, well. Yeah. Because yeah, they're both back talking the, the guy that's currently in the interview and just saying how he's completely incompetent and completely fucked up a surgery one time and it's weird and then we go back to mark and carter we actually see carter going through the lumbar puncture (sighs) which just as a concept spinal taps this is more commonly referred to as a spinal tap spinal taps are fucking horrifying and thank thankfully i've never had to have one but there's a couple times where they have like oh we could do this and i'm just like nope like, let's do any other diagnostic test but that for to figure like, out what I have going on with me.
1: I will gladly go under the knife for a microdiscectomy again and again and again and again and again like I have before instead of a lumbar puncture. I know one's a diagnostic tool and one's a fix, but good lord, give me back surgery any day. I do not want to be awake. I do not want... This,
0: yeah, just the concept of someone sticking a, sticking a needle into your spinal canal just as...
1: when he nope. says, and you'll feel a little pop as you go through the vertebrae. I was like, nope,
0: as you nope. enter the spinal canal, yep.
1: I was like, nope,
0: yeah. So, Mark refers to it as a champagne tap, uh, which he tries to pawn off saying that a nurse, uh, must buy the person who gets their first spinal tap perfect a uh, bottle of champagne, and Connie is like, uh. No, that's the resident that does that.
1: (laughs) So we cut over. Mark gets called aside for a second. He gets asked to run. Like, hey, Jennifer called. She's across the street at Doc Magoo's, which is a little diner across the street. And this is the first time we see or hear of it. It's going to be a staple for most of the 15 seasons. And Mark runs across the street to meet up with Jen. And we find out that, oh, her boss wasn't happy with an opinion piece she wrote and she needs to go back to Milwaukee tonight to meet with him and go over some some of the work that she did and, you know, improve on it because this is a hit-or-miss job. You either make it or you don't, and she really can't fail at it because her career is depending on it. So she's pissed that she has to go back because she wanted to spend the night together, get more Nookie in, <laughs> and... Mark actually doesn't seem too fussed about it. He's like, oh... Yeah, I understand. I can take the L. It'll be fine. Go. And then they're trying to figure out another night that'll work. And Mark's like, oh, well, this night's Halloween. That night he has to work. Like, And so then she just gets pissed because she's like, well, nah, whatever. And so she's like, okay, bye. We'll figure it out. Kisses him and walks away. And I just have to say, I'm loving the jacket and boots that she has going on.
0: They're on the hi- well on the highway towards uh, their... Inevitable divorce, and then we go. We revisit Benton, uh who is still waiting for his interview. The clock is uh four twenty. Nice. So it's been about
1: an hour and a half.
0: Yeah. So they've been in there. They've been in the interview. Oh, I'm sorry. We forgot to mention they take Langworthy first. Yes. Yeah. Because uh, she has a surgery. Ma- yeah. William H Macy asked if he, they can take if they can interview Langworthy first, even though Benton's the first like on the schedule because Langworthy has a surgery. at she needs to scrub in for at four thirty. So, yeah, the clock is, you know, coming up on 430. You know, they've been there for over an hour. um, And then finally, Benton gets his shot. And, you know, in there we have Morgenstern and this other doctor. I don't really think we get his name, do we? We do,
1: and I just forgot to write it down.
0: Yeah, but it's the only time we ever see him, for sure,
2: right? Yeah, he's insignificant. This is the one-off for him.
0: Yeah, but, like, he's just, like, your very, like, stereotypical, like, old white dude doctor. Like, huh. like, very uppity type person. And he's like, oh, it is it is very uncommon for us to consider a second-year resident for this thing. Because it's typically a third-year resident thing, this whole fellowship. And Morgenstern is really doing his best to vouch for Benton and his skills. And this other dude is just sort of tearing his application a new one. Like, oh, he has no extracurriculars. He has no research. He has no... You know, nothing that really makes him stand out from anyone, really. So, yeah. Like, he hasn't really done anything, like, extra since medical school.
1: And then he's like, all right, we'll let you know.
2: Yeah, and the interview is two minutes tops. But what he does have is a belt. This guy knows how to dress. (laughs) Uh, Morgan Stern, I was looking, like, really hard. I rewound it, like, two or three times, like the fucking Zapruder film. I don't know if Morgan Stern is wearing a belt, but he's wearing suspenders, and that's almost as bad as not wearing a belt.
1: Daniel, suspenders are great.
2: Leave it. Okay. You know, agree to disagree.
1: How about this? For our dedicated listeners, please tell us. Belts or suspenders?
2: Ooh, that's a... I'm gonna put that up on a poll. That's gonna be on a poll. We'll make a Twitter poll after when we put up this episode.
1: Daniel and I can settle this once and for all. Okay. Belts or suspenders or you heathens, no belt.
0: Ooh, that's, ooh. Yeah, we'll see.
1: We'll see where this comes down.
0: Okay, okay. All right,
2: and then after that, we have uh, Jerry just sort of headed out. Where's he headed out to? Just leaving. Done for the day. He's just done for the day, leaving, and he bumps into a bunch of shit, and he's just knocking shit off the wall. I love Jerry so much in this episode. He doesn't have to talk that much, but he's still the MVP of the episode for me, just with all his, like, background shit of, like, knocking shit off the, the shelf and, like, his his U-turn in the bathroom is just, mm, chef kiss. Just, mm, perfect.
1: And he's got his normal cigar.
0: And, then, yeah, after Jerry's heading out, Lydia gives uh, Carter a message about, you know, some apartments he's looking at, uh, and she's like, oh, there's two available in her building, and... Carter's just, you know, got a little smile on his face and is just really enjoying the way his day is going.
1: I, I want to add that the messages from Jerry to Carter that Lydia's passing over are actually, I think one of them, if not two of them, are prospective patients. <laughs> addresses. I didn't notice that. I think that's what he says, like, you know, oh, and check the one in Curtain 3. Oh,
2: yes, you're right. You're right. Yeah, that's uh, Jerry.
1: I could be wrong. No, but I you're, think that's you're right. Because the, then Carter gets him and is like, what the fuck? But yeah, so that's where we leave off for the Great Carter Apartment Hunt of 1994 right now. And then um, Benton comes over to the nurse's station after his horrific interview, and Halle is like, oh, by the way, I'm just, you know, super deadpan saying this, wanting to get a rise out of Peter. Just goes, you know, hey, I hired Mookie on as the city kids honor program to help keep him out of juvie. He's going to be coming here and working, and by the way, I put you down as his supervisor.
2: Just super,
1: super low-key. Benton's just like, ah, oh, shit. So we're going to see more of Mookie. We're going get to get to know more about him and see what's going on and see if he and Benton develop any mentor relationship or not. And then, and then Doug's pharmaceutical rep lady shows up, whose name I can't even be bothered to remember. Linda and Farrell. Linda Farrell. And it looks like she has dyed her hair. And to me, I almost thought it was a different actress. That's how unmemorable this woman's performances to me i legitimately thought they had changed actresses
0: but it is indeed the same actress um and it's just a little beat there she's looking for doug and then after that we look over at susan who has got her little black dress on under her lab coat (whistles) yeah which i i have to say sherry stringfield in this episode damn
1: goals also, when I already forgot her name, you said it and I already forgot Linda it. Linda Farrell, when she shows up, <laughs> she's at, she actually tells Doug, Oh, I'm sorry we have to cancel because I've got a cardiac conference to go to where I can make my entire quota in one night. So she cancels his, the date that he's been waiting all day to hear
2: about. And Doug could not give less of a shit. Like, he's already on, back on Planet Carol and he's like feeling sorry for himself. So he's just like, Fuck it, I don't care. Like, do what yeah. you want.
1: But yes, Susan is goals.
2: Yeah. And dang. She's rocking it. Then we get
0: Chloe showing back up. In a very 90s belly shirt and leather jacket with an open fifth of vodka.
1: To sing Happy Birthday. And so Chloe shows up, total hot mess, singing to Susan, making a huge racket in the waiting area, and Carter's sitting over on the side of the nurse's station taking some notes, and Mark walks up and hands him the bottle of champagne that we actually saw Mark walk in at the beginning of the episode with that had originally been for his hot evening with Jen. He now that's blown cuz she's back in Milwaukee. So he gives it to Carter and Carter just thinks, "Oh, of course I have my bottle of champagne cuz Mark promised me one." Doesn't realize it's because everybody else's day is falling apart and <laughs> Carter just goes, "Wow. This is like the perfect day."
0: And then, you know, we're all we're all very happy for Carter, but then Chloe is on the scene, so we got to we got to have some drama and we get some arguments between Susan and Chloe in this audio clip here.
3: What else are you guys on, Chloe? Vodka
1: and what else? Nothing. I just wanted to wish you a happy birthday. So you showed up drunk with a guy you probably met an hour ago? Oh, I did not. Billy
0: really cares about me. <sighs> so just leave him out of it. Oh,
3: I think he is already out of it. Oh, is he staying at my place too? Did he help you steal the TV?
1: Oh, you shut up. You just shut up, Susie. You are just like mom. You're just like dad. You just always hate
3: everything that I do. That is not true, and you know it. Nothing was ever any different at home for me than it was for you. Sure. Oh my god.
1: Oh, I don't sure. even know why I'm having this you know, conversation. They never thought I could do anything, you know? Chloe,
3: do you think they thought I could go to medical no. school and become a doctor? No. I had to
1: prove it to them. Sometimes I still have to every day. You don't know anything about every day. You don't know. Well, uh, You don't have to worry about paying the rent. You don't have to worry about where you're going to sleep. You don't have to worry
2: about getting a
0: yikes
1: that actress is so good
0: yeah and for reference uh they are near the admit desk and chloe puts her hand through one of the windows that's attached to it
2: and lets out just an a plus like whale scream afterwards yeah like the lung capacity on it she plays like lauren said like she's a good actress but she's a particularly good mess like she's really good at playing messed up and just like it's she's such a tragic character
0: yeah, and her wailing went on for another, like, 10-15 seconds after that, but I figured that might be a, get a little grating, unless you're actually watching the episode, <laughs> so... And then immediately after that, Ben's stitching up Chloe's hand, and uh, Div is starting to talk, actually, to Chloe about mental health stuff. Finally, you know, doing the right thing, trying to get Chloe some help, and Susan still looks great in that outfit, but, God, her...
1: Poor birthday.
0: Yeah, poor birthday. Which perks up a little bit here shortly. But before that, we get more basketball. The second appearance of the basketball hoop, and I pulled. I actually pulled this audio. This next audio clip just because I just love Mark and Doug's friendship so fucking much in this entire show, and I think I just feel like this is just really a nice, lighthearted example of just them being bros. You are
4: pathetic. <laughs> what are you doing back? I thought Jennifer was in town. So did I. I thought you had a date with the drug lady. She went to a lecture on cardiomyopathy instead. Wow, that stings. Actually, I'm glad. She might be a little perky for me. Perky? Yeah. You like perky. Well, this is true. But lately, I have found myself attracted to sullen and withdrawn and confused. Yeah? Ah. That's good. You gotta go out with me. I am out with you. Oh my, oh my, oh. Hey, come on, I'm a short guy out here. But there's nothing, you know, wrong with a little infantile schoolyard competition to kind of boost the spirits. Oh, really? oh, no. All right, here we go. A little game of one on one to 21. Fuck a point. <laughs> You're on. All right, you ready? Uh-huh. Oh, oh my. Through the legs. Oh.
0: Ah.
2: So good. They're just... I I love them.
1: I love the Clooney chuckle in their choreo.
2: I I knew this from back when, but I guess uh, when we talked about it, when the Basketball Hoop made its first appearance, I forgot to bring it up. Clooney actually is the one who requested that the Basketball Hoop be... Part of the show and like part of the thing, you know, around the set. He would do this like between takes or when he wasn't shooting, somebody else was doing their stuff. He would be off to the side shooting hoops on a basketball hoop. And so they just wrote it into the show and just made it its own thing. And that's, I think that's why it always seems to be Mark and Doug doing the thing here because it was Doug's thing off camera. So I just thought that was a fun little note. Nice.
0: After that, we go over to Chloe who's gonna sleep asleep off her drunk, high, whatever you want to call it, whatever she's on, we know she's at least been drinking. So they'll find somewhere to put the, I'm sure, upstanding gentleman that- Billy. <laughs> yeah, Billy, that he is, or excuse me, that she is with. Susan really just wants to be done with this day. It's It's been a day. And, you know, she wants to go up on the roof by herself, grab some air, you know, Dave asks if he can come over later, you know, trying to be supportive, boyfriend trying to be a somewhat decent guy but yeah she says she's not sure and he's really he's he's trying um, and then after that just a little quick beat of Benton complimenting Carol on her work with the boating accident you know just after a little beat we go back to Carol and Doug and they are discussing their scintillating smooch in the trauma room earlier Doug Hey come on in
4: Ford came down from the OR. Little kid from the boating accident came through really well. He's gonna be just fine. It's great news. Yeah. Pretty strange day, huh?
3: You could say that.
4: <laughs> I'll tell you, I could live the whole thing all over again. Doug, John asked me to move
1: back in with him, and I just thought I should tell you that I told him I would.
4: And did you decide this this afternoon?
3: We've been talking about it for a while.
4: But did you decide to tell him this afternoon? Are you just telling me now? It
3: doesn't matter, Doug.
4: What happened with us this afternoon? Does that matter?
3: What happened today was an accident.
4: Mm -hmm. There are no accidents. (laughs) Look, it's great. Really, it's great. Thanks for letting me know.
0: I can't tell who has the moral high ground in that situation. Uh,
2: I think everyone. I, she does. She does. Now that I think about it, because he crossed the line back at the very beginning. I mean, I know she claims some responsibility for it too, but like if he doesn't get that close to her and start, you know, macking on her, then he doesn't have anything to be confused about because prior to that moment, she'd been quite clear about where they stood. So, you know, like it should come as no surprise to him that she's moving on with her life. And one moment in the trauma room in a very high stress situation shouldn't really change that. So, yeah, the more I think about it, the more I think she's in the right here. Yeah, that's a good point. And then the other point uh, about this little interaction that has nothing to do with either one of them, but it was something that jumped into my head, The the whole scene takes place in the empty uh, x-ray room where they read off all the x-rays, which made me worry that we'd seen the last of Lauren's favorite character, x-ray Steve, (laughs) but I looked it up and it says he's in 12 episodes total, so this being episode 7 clearly means we haven't seen the last of him, but it says he appears all the way up until 2002. So his timeline has got to be way weirder than I remember because I feel like he was a season one and out kind of guy, but apparently he's in there in some capacity through, 2002 would be season, what, eight, nine? So he's going to be around for a while. It just sounds like really sparingly since it's only 12 episodes total, but we'll have to look out for him.
1: Well, I appreciate you thinking of me, and I just need to say, Doug says there are no accidents. That damn tie is is sure
2: as a fashion accident, (laughs) Doug. (laughs) Uh, wasn't he wearing a shitty tie in the last episode, too? Yes, he was. Come on, Doug. It's just the Doug Ross specialty, I guess. Get your ties together. Come on.
0: But yeah, after that, we get to the final scene of the episode. Uh, Carter and Susan up on the roof. And, you know, I honestly... It's like a minute and a half long, so I apologize for a little bit of length on this. But honestly, the whole thing is just so, so nice. We really don't get many really friendly moments like this with Carter and Susan, you know, especially this early on. But I just think this is a really fantastic be- beat between the two of them. So let's let's just listen into this whole last scene. I can't find anybody to drink this with me.
3: <laughs> don't know that I'm the best candidate. You are the only one with a birthday. Oh, please. However, you're not the only one with a crazy family. My dad Says you should never ever do this with a bottle of champagne. Oh. (laughs) Now, if that's not crazy. Okay. Are you ready? I don't think so, but okay. (coughs) Woo! Ah! (laughs) Nice. You know, Carter, this is a whole side of you I've never seen before. What do you mean? I come up here a lot. You do? Well, if you were Dr. Benton's student, you'd come up here a lot, too. However, today was an excellent day. I performed my first lumbar puncture. How was it? Really scary. But Dr. Green talked me through it, and the patient did have meningitis, and now he's going to be okay. So I guess that's worth a little scare. You know, Carter, you can call us by our first names. You call me Carter. Yeah, well, that's different somehow. So your sister. She's really stuck on this guy with the greasy hair. I doubt she knows his last name. Why? I was going to ask her out. Who are you? I'm just kidding. Susan. I get it. John. (laughs) No, doesn't sound right. Okay. Call me Carter. (laughs)
0: I ship it so hard. Except I have one small problem with that thing. What is that, like, little laugh that? <laughs> <laughs> Clip that Plank. out and just play it on a loop. That's what anxiety
2: sounds like.
1: <laughs> also, Daniel?
2: Yes. Point one for the suspenders club. No, that's not point one. Carter has got well-established uh, square white guy taste. Like, this is...
1: I know, but I'm just saying... This means he's nothing. He's wearing his suspenders that I love so much
2: and you hate. This means nothing. The Carter and Lewis thing, they, they go to this well a couple of times, and they, you know, I just... I see why they keep doing it because the two actors clearly have chemistry, but it still always feels weird to me. Like, it still always feels very Joey and Rachel from Friends. Like, it just doesn't, like, click for me. But, you know, we'll give it time to marinate. We'll see how it flows. I mean, they're, cl- here they're not really setting up anything romantic, but it's a pairing that they kind of explore a couple of times throughout uh, the run here.
1: Yeah, that's fair. I just like it and I think they're cute together.
2: Yeah, the actors have und- undeniable chemistry there.
1: It's like that uh, Simpson's meme where it's Marge holding the potato just <laughs> I just think they're neat.
2: That's fair.
0: I know, I just really like and I think Carter's has I I got to give credit to Noah Wiley here. Like I think just his acting and his cadence and just his tone and everything his everything about his acting in this scene is just really really good and it's just it's a little it's just little moments like this that just make me appreciate him and the character of Carter so much. And it feels like carter is just displaying
2: a certain degree of wisdom that we haven't seen him display yeah that's what i was just gonna say he's he's confident like it's the first time we've seen carter confident in the whole show yeah like you
0: give him one good day and damn carter can be a really damn good doctor and show those flashes even seven episodes into the series you know and he's a surgical he's not a surgical rotation and we haven't even seen him (laughs) get anywhere near a surgical room or excuse me an operating room (laughs) the but he's you can just see him becoming the doctor that he's that we all know and love and i'm just and i feel like this is like the biggest flash of that is just him calmly recounting all of the beautiful all the awesome things that he's done today and i just i love it and for the record i ship carter and lewis really hard and, really? I, and I really wish that that pairing had had uh superseded him and Abby later in the series.
1: Today I learned.
0: Yeah, no, I love them together. I think they're fantastic. I love their relationship later on in season 8 or is season season 9? I think they
1: I think their personality types really complement each other well too. Exactly. Yeah. Especially as he grows up.
0: And I think the actors have a lot of chemistry too, which you see here. And they're both cute. Ex- yes. It's a little weirder because Susan ages up a little bit more than Carter, like a little faster than Carter, so it's a little we- like just looking at them later and later when they actually finally do get together. But I still think it works really well. That about wraps up our episode for today. Thank you everyone very much for listening. Uh, you can find us on Twitter with the username at set the tone ER. We are also on Facebook at facebook.com settingthetonepodcast the tone podcast. And we are at setting the tone podcast on Instagram. You can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com settingthetonepodcast setting the tone podcast. Uh, where you can help your fellow patrons unlock bonus shows, including a special season recap episode uh, that'll happen about twice a year. and also unlock a monthly bonus show where uh, myself, Lauren, and Daniel Wall, you know just sort of talk about what's going on, what movies we've seen, what video games we're enjoying, just different stuff that's going on in our lives. So you can find that again at patreon.com slash saying the tone podcast. Our theme music was provided to us by Andrew Edwards of Blue Police Box Music. And Daniel, where can folks find you at?
2: They can find me on Instagram at dan.u that's y-o-u dot e-l. They can also find me on my other podcast, The Popular Court, with my co-host Jake Terrell. We do a different uh, pop culture topic each week and put it through a little mock trial. The one that's coming up Semi recently, by the time you're hearing this, will be a kind of appeal court case uh, of uh, 1998 Matthew Broderick Godzilla. Uh, this is one that was a Ooh. yeah. This was a, a a personal request of my co-host. He wanted to go to bat for it, and uh, I was all too happy to let him twist in the wind because that movie fucking sucks. lizzie has oh.
1: got the biggest grin on her face right now.
2: Oh, I agree with I agree with your co-host. That movie fucking rocks. <laughs> Oh, I had such a hard time getting through it. It is, uh, it's a slog. Oh, it is by no means a good movie. Do not get me wrong. It is an absolutely fucking terrible movie, but
0: in the best way possible.
1: Okay, children, we can discuss this on the comments of the popular (laughs) court. Also, the Halloween episode was amazing, and I really enjoyed the Sonic one, too. Thank you. Appreciate it. And you can find me at my personal Twitter, at Lobob92345.
0: And I am also on Twitter. Uh, my username is at randomgamer. That's J-A-M-3-R. Um, and thank you again very much, everyone, for listening. Uh, please join us again next week for Episode 8, uh, which is titled Nine and a Half Hours. And thank you very much again, and have a great week.